Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Ebijamra, and I'm your host. It is Thursday, which means we drop a new podcast today. We are in a great series called the Dear Lena series, and I managed to be a little bit controversial last week. Well, believe it or not, I'm going to top that one this week, I think. But be that as it may, my goal here is not to be controversial. Really, it's to think about controversial issues and apply biblical truth for everyday life and thinking how we as Christians living in this world, in this post-modern, post-Christian, post-everything world, uh, can become uh, and grow in Christ-likeness. And so if you're looking to be Christ-like, you came to the right place. If you're just trying to explore what Christianity means, I think you came to the right place. And if you just stumbled upon us by accident, consider it divine intervention and providence and may God lead you to the knowledge of his son through this podcast. Hey, uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. My um, occupation is, uh, uh, my training has been as a pediatric ER doctor. I now practice telehealth. I do telemedicine. And uh, the reason I switched into telemedicine about six or seven years ago is because of this growing ministry that I founded and run. It's called Living With Power. You can find us at livingwithpower.org. And we do a whole lot of things. We do global work with Syrian refugees and the Lebanese people right now. We have a couple of medical clinics that we run. We have a nurses aid training program over there. And then here locally, we do discipleship and Bible teaching. I've written a few books. My latest one, Fractured Faith, you can find on Amazon. And I think it'll encourage you if you've been wounded by the church or just disappointed in your life as a Christian and uh, want to understand what God might be up to in your life. Um, here on the podcast, we talk about faith, life, culture, and everything in between. And um, and this Dear Lena series will run for a few weeks and you send me questions about life and I try to answer them with three bullet points, um, applying the Bible uh, as wisely as I can. And so I hope you found these episodes to be meaningful. Hey, are you ready for today's episode? And by the way, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, do it now. That way, anytime we drop a new episode, you can get it directly on your phones. All right, here we go. Question that I have for today's episode. Dear Lena, Lately, I've noticed that Christian leaders have pointed to role models in the bachelorette. I'm confused. Is the bachelorette consistent with godly character or virtues? Woo, this is a doozy. Is that a word? I don't know. I'm from Lebanon, but it does sound like a doozy, something like a landmine. Like, I'm not sure I need to answer this question. And whether we're talking about the bachelor or the bachelorette, I think this is a very important question because we're living in an era where... Uh, we have all sorts of role models and influencers, and some are obviously, you know, uh, fit the mold of what our minds think of in terms of what should be a godly role model. But um, lately, there's been a movement towards specifically some of the bachelorettes or women who have been on The Bachelor uh, who have made it into uh, the speaker lineups in many Christian circles and have been uh, had huge and growing followings. And may God bless them. But really, I want to step away from the specific examples and think of it as a bit more globally and give you uh, three points that I think will summarize what I believe on this point. Is, it, is the bachelorette consistent with godly character or virtues? Here we go. <clears throat> Number one, uh, I believe we have lost sight of what it means to be holy. And so uh, with that in mind, I think you can see where I'm going with this question. I do not think that um, by and large... Uh, the bachelorette is consistent with godly character or virtues. And I know I've just lost 90%, maybe 95% of anybody under age 30, uh, be that as it may. Uh, I might be an old geezer, but I am going to try to make a compelling biblical argument for why. Uh, I believe one of the problems in our culture today is that we in the Christian church have lost sight of what it means to be holy. Or we've told ourselves that, that we've convinced ourselves 
of what it really means to be holy. And I think we've um, convinced ourselves that it's past what's on the outside, that it has to do with the heart. But I believe it's both. And uh, I believe there's a concept in Christianity which um, is is holiness that I um, see in Scripture is best modeled by Jesus and the disciples and the early Christians. And much is written about it, both in the Old and the New Testament. And this idea of being set apart we see it all the way in the Old Testament when we start following the Abraham for one and then the people of Israel. And we see how God urged them to be set apart from the culture that they were living in in every way. And of course, in the Old Testament, it was in their diet and in their clothes and in their habits and in their worship. And, uh, and the externals were just a, a way for them to differentiate themselves from the, from the people around them. It wasn't that their religion was based on externals. It was really a religion based on the heart. And Abraham, all the way back in Genesis, was commended for his faith in God, for his righteousness based on faith. And yet we move into the New Testament, and the tendency in, in the New Testament believers now is to say, well, the Old Testament's done. Uh, in the New Testament, we no longer care about what we drink or eat or do because we're saved by grace um, through faith in Christ alone. I believe that to be true. However, I do think that our uh, heart matters the most, but our actions often reflect what is in our heart. And so to be set apart... I believe is to be set apart, not just in our words, but also in our actions and in our behaviors, uh, which means we're going to be different than the world. And if we are to be holy, and remember Peter uh, invited us in his epistle, which is inspired by the Lord and the Holy Spirit to be holy as, as, as he is holy, as God is holy. And we see that admonition throughout scripture. But of course, um, there's so many places you can look uh, in scripture. Galatians 5 is a great place um, uh, in the fruit of the spirit and sort of comparing what it looks like to walk in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. This is a good place to start. If you're ever wondering, well, what about holiness? Where do we come up with our ideas of holiness? Uh, well, Paul wrote, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And then he goes on to list, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, and then there are others that many of us don't think of as, as serious. Of course, idolatry, serious, sorcery, but then enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, granted, today we're not going to be talking about anger and jealousy, although those are, again, they have their equal uh, place to, to reflect uh, walking in the flesh, but I want to focus, of course, on sexual immor immorality, impurity, sensuality. Uh, the book of Eph the, the Paul's letter to the Ephesians also um, talks about putting off the old, putting on the new, and so sort of has a similar list of, of sexual uh, sin that, in that includes sort of this idea of sensuality, and, and, um, and, and I don't believe that you can grow in holiness while continuing to grow or highlight a sensual worldview. And that, uh, that does not mean that, you, that we live in an asexual world or that uh, we have to become robots. I think there's a place that God uh, invites us to be sexual, and that is uh, in a marriage relationship between one man and one woman. And I get it that we are sexual beings and that that sexuality does not just get the light flicked on the moment we get married. I get that everything about us has a sexual connotation, but uh, a show such as The Bachelor or The, ba or the Bachelor, where uh, the entire point of the show is uh, to be sensual and highlights, of course, uh, I don't know, I mean, I've watched some Bachelor back in 1980 when it started, but I can't even say that I've watched a whole episode, which I know, I know, I know some of you are like, she hadn't even watched it. How can she critique it? Well, I live in this world. I've never had cancer and yet I can treat cancer. I've never eaten poison, but I recognize it. And in the same way, I don't have to watch an entire episode of The Bachelor or The Bachelorettes to tell you that the 
the goal of the show is not the, to grow in holiness, but to end up um, uh, with a very uh, heightened chemistry experience with the uh, person that you ultimately choose. And uh, uh, it, towards the end of the show, when it comes down to two people, there is uh, a heightened tension where uh, the guy and the girl spend the night together. And we don't know what happens because it's behind closed doors, but everything leading up to that uh, suggests that what's happening in that place is uh, not holy. Or uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going in there to have a prayer service. Well, we just say that. And so, and so I think, you know, I think uh, we in this culture have lost sight of what it means to be holy. And so the, I can already hear the debates going, well, you don't know what's going in there. Maybe she's sharing scripture with that person. Maybe this is where they're having their Bible study. But um, the part of Christianity is how we come across uh, to the world. There are people who are watching us, both Christians and non-Christians. And Paul makes a compelling argument against uh, becoming a stumbling block to those who are weaker. So maybe you're the strong person. You want to use that scripture to say that, hey, I'm going to try to pursue behavior that does not leave any question as to how I live and how, what I believe, be not so much because of the world, but maybe because of your weaker brothers, that you can find a lot of this conversation in 1 Corinthians chapters 8 would be a great place to land. Um, but I think it's important to be honest about what it is um, that happens on uh, some of those cultural venues that we have, we as a Christian community have tried to convince, convince ourselves are okay and that we can shine in those areas. Uh, many of you uh, might have the same concerns when it comes to rock stars who have more recently come out as being committed followers of Jesus. And there's been some debate that, hey, you know, it's an issue of maturity early on in the Christian walk. You know, there's certain language that you have to uh, choose to grow in the spirit and get rid of certain language, certain appearance, certain behaviors. And I cannot judge people's hearts, but I can tell you that the more you grow in Christ, the less, um, um, the, the, the more dissonance you're going to feel in a culture that is all about Hollywood and sex and rock and roll. And, um, and that applies not just to the bachelor and the bachelorette, but to many of the things that are going on in our culture. So for us as Christians and as the church to act like it really doesn't matter, like, um, uh, like what happens on the bachelor is all just romantic and it's just like a dating app. And I think that's naive. And so I, uh, I would not call myself naive. I have spent the last 20 some years in medicine, specifically in the emergency room. And so I can tell you that, um, uh, if you, uh, if you are honest with yourself for a moment, then you would uh, be honest enough to admit that what uh, happens on shows uh, that uh, are watched by millions of viewers who do not call themselves Christians, probably with the exception of The Chosen, which is a highly Christian show that's followed by billions, but by and large, anything that is produced by Hollywood and uh, condones a non-biblical worldview is not does not have holiness as, it, as its aim. And so we are to be set apart, not just in words, but also in actions and behaviors. To be set apart to be, is to be different in, than the world in every way. And to be set apart sometimes means we miss out on what the world calls cool, which brings me to the next big idea. We have overinflated what's popular and equated it with what's good. We have become a church that, that, by and large, the Christian culture of today thinks, man, if somebody's popular, that means they're good. That means it's good. That means there's something they're doing that's right. And that is a form of prosperity gospel. I'm going to talk more about that uh, idea of prosperity gospel because I think it presents itself in many ways, but I don't believe that just because something is popular means that it's good. And so even if you have a Christian who is on The Bachelor or in Hollywood or on you know the, uh, the, the, the 
you know, selling multi-million billion dollars of CDs and records, whatever it is, measures that are there, just because they're doing well does not mean that it's good. In fact, I would almost argue the opposite. I think if there's not a growing amount of opposition and if people don't, if, if you are in this world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll and come to Christ, inevitably, by the way, Kirk Cameron would be an example of someone who ended up really, even though he's continued to try to do movies, he's lost a lot of the, you know, the, the success that he could have had had he not converted to Christ and held on to some of his beliefs. And whether you like him or agree with him or hate the Left Behind series, I don't care if you like his fire firearm, whatever, fire chats, the things that he does online, the revival things. I mean, I've watched very, very little of those too, but I can tell you that the goal that he has is to try to draw people to Jesus and it, it, it's, it's cost him something. And, um, and, and again, I'm not saying that one person is better than the other, but that by and large, it will cost you to be a Christian and it will cost you to grow in obedience to Christ and that it is not natural to allow the Holy Spirit to call the shots in your life and to be dead to the flesh and alive to the Spirit, which is going back to Galatians. Of course, we're told what the fruit of the Spirit is. And then Paul ends, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us uh, not become conceited, provoking one another, envying. Oh, I'm sorry. I want verse 24. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It is not easy to do that, but that is your calling as a Christian. It is to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I haven't seen a modern day crucifixion. I've watched the passion of the Christ years ago, but it seems to me that a crucifixion is painful. And it seems to me that it will cost us something to crucify that flesh. And as a Christian who's been walking as a single woman for the past 50 years, I can tell you that um, it's easier to allow the flesh to go free. And it is not holy and not godly to do that. And so coming back to, again, what we're talking about here, uh, is it possible for the bachelorette to be consistent with godly character or virtues? I, I suppose there could be an exception to the rule, but I think we need to be honest and, and admit that we've lost sight of what it means to be holy in our culture and that we have overinflated what's popular and equated it with what's good. Just because everyone is doing something doesn't make it right. And just because someone is popular does not increase that person's authority. I want to say that again. Uh, we, have, um, we, have, we are living in a culture that has come to conclude that if someone has a lot of clout and followers, then what they say counts more than a person who has none. And I think that's dangerous territory. And so you can have a voice of a Christian who's faithful, a pastor who leads a small church, who's faithfully speaking the truth, and he has less authority than a 20-some-year-old who is doing whatever the heck they want to do, but they've got 5 million people following them. And I think we need to be careful who, where we're getting our truth, uh, what Bible we're reading. And for many of us, uh, one of the problems in our culture is that we have um, been satisfied to read a Bible uh, through social media, through the life of someone who claims they, they are a Christian. And that is not the same as reading the actual Word of God. And so um, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's stop uh, thinking that because so-and-so who has millions of followers has said it, then I believe it and that settles it. Let's go back to sort of what was really popular back in the 70s and 80s, which is God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And so just, you, let's not overinflate what's popular and equate it with what's good. And then thirdly, we have overvalued fitting in with others as a strategy for winning others. I think this is probably the most important point here. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff here that I can say about these principles, but I wanna, I wanna say this third one again. We've overvalued, as a Christian culture in the United States right now, we have overvalued this idea that if we fit in with others, then we could win them over to Jesus. So if you're cool and you have a lot of friends, somehow you can then tell them about Jesus and they'll like you and they'll like your Jesus. 
And I just don't think that's a real valid evangelism strategy. Uh, I don't see it in scripture. In fact, I see the more vocal people were about Jesus, the more persecution they endured. And so I go back to this concept, you know, we don't win people to Jesus by embracing their sinful lifestyle. And it might not be as popular, but it might not make sense. And you might not think you're making an influence on others. I'm going through a time for the past couple of months reading famous Christian biographies. In fact, our entire Living with Power leadership team has been doing that. And I will tell you that those lives of men and women, I've read Lillian um, Thrasher. I don't think you've ever heard of her. I've read another guy, I forget his first name, Sundar Singh, or Sundar Singh, uh, a missionary. Oh, he was, a, he was actually not a missionary. He was an Indian man who came to Christ and has an immensely powerful life. I'm just finishing up Amy Carmichael, getting into William Booth now. These are men and women uh, who uh, didn't have any following while they were alive, frankly. And yet they made more uh, dent in the kingdom of God than many of those um, mega influencers that we follow today. And so we have an upside down strategy right now in the Christian culture in the United States. We think that uh, if we're popular and if we um, are cool, then people are going to love our Jesus. And it just doesn't work this way because Jesus himself was hated by the culture and ended up being crucified by the culture and today stands set apart from the culture. And that's the Jesus that I want to follow. That doesn't mean that we are prude. Uh, if you know me, you know I'm anything uh, but prude. I can talk about things even more directly than I've done on the show today. But, uh, uh, but I don't think that we can continue to show compassion to a dying world on their way to hell, which is what the Bible teaches. I believe in hell. I believe that if you don't put your trust in Jesus, that's the road that we all were on. And, uh, and we don't show compassion to people who are lost by turning an eye to sin. We've got to call sin out. We cannot expect a deeper discipleship by offering superficial lifestyles. In the church right now, there is a discipleship crisis. And so as I look at like these leaders who now are pointing to, to influencers and popular personalities and saying, look, follow them. They love Jesus. And you go on those people's pages and you see what they're about. I'm sorry, you can talk about Jesus, but if you are not set apart in every way from the culture, uh, you're, you might uh, think that you're growing in your discipleship because now you follow 5, 10, 50, 100 people who claim to be Christians and you think, I'm fine, I've got a Christian community right here on the internet, and they all call themselves Christians. Listen, we cannot expect a deeper discipleship by offering super superficial lifestyles. And in order to dig deeper and get a deeper type of lifestyle, it will take time to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It will take time to immerse yourself in the word of God and to meditate on his word and to ask the spirit of God to uproot from your life those things that are uh, evident works of the flesh and to replace them with those things which are the fruit of the spirit. And so uh, that's my little talk for you today. I know it may not win me any popularity points, but um, I don't want to be popular. I want to be holy. And uh, I can tell you it's no easy task, but by God's grace, we're working our way towards Christ-likeness. And so if that's you, I commend you and I encourage you to continue on that. Hey, if you're looking for more resources and tools to help you grow in Christ, check out our website, thelivingwithpower.org. Actually, there's no the, it's livingwithpower.org. If you want to send me an email, give me a piece of your mind, do it at dearlena at livingwithpower.org. Or if you've got a question for me for the future, please send it to me at dearlena at livingwithpower.org. Hey, I love you guys. I really do. I think that discipleship is uh, 
a, a deepening discipleship is going to take some difficult conversations in our era. And so let's have them. That's the point of this podcast. I'm not afraid to have these conversations. I know that I won't always be in agreement with everybody who's listening, but uh, I can tell you that at the end of the day, each one, each one of us reports to Jesus. And by God's grace, he sees our hearts, he understands our motives, and uh, he's the one responsible for our growth. And so let's pray for one another. Let's pray for our churches. Let's pray for a revival, and may God start with me. And so, uh, hey, if you're part of our Living With Power Facebook uh, community group, join us tonight where I teach live. We're going through the book of Nehemiah. And if you're not part of that, join us. You can just go to livingwithpower.org, click on join the community at the top of the page, and we'd love to have you. Uh, You can see me live and shoot me direct questions in that setting. And uh, hey, have a great week and weekend, and I'll catch you again next week.